Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to podcast number 89 of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers. Uh, Just when we think the year 2020 has been as unpredictable and chaotic as it can possibly be, we toss an historic presidential election into the mix. And as of the writing of this podcast, that Sunday, November the 8th, the Associated Press and media outlets have called the election for Joe Biden. I think it's still going that way, right? Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, uh, pretty well. Seems like it's a done deal, but it but it may be days or even weeks before the court battle's over and we have that official call. So hey, we're still still in limbo. Yeah. So our shout outs. But it's to, all good. It's all good. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so our shout outs today are to username dot. I'm not sure what else to call it. Oh, you just know like who a period, just like yeah, a dot. Okay. Just a dot. Yeah. So we're glad to have you on board. Sure. Yeah. And our quote this week is from Bruce Lipton. He says, your perspective is always limited by how much you know. Expand your knowledge and you will transform your mind. I like that. All right. So last episode, that was number 88, we discussed the operation of the Holy Spirit and expressed the need for believers today to utilize this most important element as a guide for our daily lives. One of our main takeaways may be that Jesus himself said that once the Holy Spirit had made its appearance and indwelling into the common people, there'd be no need for them to be taught of others. We tend to believe that the Spirit in us operates to confirm or resonate when we hear the truth, yet the truth is already in us, as John wrote in his epistles when he told his readers that he wasn't writing those things because they didn't know he was writing them to confirm what they already knew. And jumping to today's episode uh, here in segment one, perhaps we should call today's episode Life in the Bubble. Of course, that's just a suggestion, Tracen, since she always has the final say. And <laughs> he throws the title that out the there, episode. so if no yeah. one likes the title, yeah. then come back on me. <laughs> there you go. Life in the Bubble. Uh, nevertheless, the phrase Life in the Bubble pretty much says it all. Most of us go through life unaware. How we live and how we live our life, pretty much isolated and insulated, and surrounded by a few folks that share our life philosophy, our religion, our politics, and all these other things. Yeah, and you know, thinking about that concept, I got to laughing because I was thinking about even little things like where we're from, like sweet tea. 
Yes. That's something that's so normal. Everybody has sweet tea. You go north and they're like, what? You put sugar in your tea? <laughs> you well, know, when it. you ask for tea around here, you're going to get sweet tea. Yeah. If you ask for unsweet tea, they usually confirm it with you to make sure. <laughs> yeah. And I've talked about things like that. I have a friend that lives in Iowa. So hi, Steph and Eva. I know you guys listen. And we talk about things that are you know, different and sort of implied here that things go a certain way. And mm-hmm. she's like, and then when I move up here, it's not quite the same. And it gets really <laughs> confusing sometimes, she said, because I have to put my Arkansas shoes back on right. when I come back down there. Yeah. It's hard to change bubbles, isn't it? It you is. Know, to move into, so what do we mean? You know, let's kind of explain a bit, a little bit, just to elaborate, because we're going to do that, but elaborate just what we're talking about, life in the bubble. And, and, and to me, it's just that thing that we just kind of uh, – just operate in this little world mm-hmm. of and we keep gathering more and more people of like that think like we do and all that together so we're never really challenged and we're not comfortable being challenged outside that bubble we're not really challenged i don't think being outside that bubble no we're kind of all like a pie chart we have all of these pieces that make up who we are our mm-hmm. friends our family our and we really don't want to make room for any extra slices in that. <laughs> right right so is it you it's or is you. it me? I think it's Tabitha. Oh, you guys want me to go? I think it you is. Go. I just okay. did. I just, oh, okay. Okay. It don't matter. One example <laughs> is the recent presidential election. And even though I know I'm weary of yes, it now, yes. it does serve as a great example of our point for today's episode. The state of Arkansas voted about three to one for President Trump. Um, I kind of looked at the percentages in Van Buren County Almost 80% of our county voted so even, for even, Trump. So even, even greater than yes, that, than statewide, yes. yeah. Um, but we use this only to point out that most of the people that we're associated with make statements like, how can Biden win the election? Because nobody I know voted for him. <laughs> I had a guy say that just exactly in those words to me just a week or so. Well, less than a week ago, last Saturday. I and think. I imagine in, in large demo- Democratic cities, they're probably mm-hmm. thinking the same thing yeah, about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, that's, but that's an example of the bubble. It is. That's it the is. example of the well, bubble. And I'll throw you another curveball on that one. Speaking of the election, because I did. I talked this episode over with Steph because it's something we talk about mm-hmm. a lot. And she said, I live in a very Trump-heavy area. Mm-hmm. She said, but my county went blue. She said, "My ca- Biden took my county. And she said, at work, everyone that I'm talking to is going, who voted for him? Because I can't imagine this. So the case in point, no one I know voted for Biden. Yet we know that about one fourth or so of the residents in our community did indeed vote for Biden. So there we have it. If we were a committed Trump supporter, we find it hard to believe that anyone near us may have voted Biden. And that is due to the bubble that we live in. Mm -hmm. If this is true of our politics, may it also be true of other areas of our life as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and we promise you this will be the end of the political yeah. part of it. We're just using that for an example because that was what really influenced was a guy said to me, how did he get that many votes? I don't know anybody that voted yes. for it. And I didn't have time to explain to him that we all live in these little bubbles right. that that we just find it hard to, uh, to believe these things. The truth is we get encapsulated in this bubble from a very early age. It begins with the environment that we're raised in. Uh, and that's as it should be. Our parents and family are the single most powerful influence in our lives. And we tend not to venture too far out from the life philosophies we acquired from that influence. 
Uh, we've all witnessed a person who is raised in a conservative environment. They graduate high school. They go to college where they're introduced to so many strange new ways to see the world that after a year or two, their parents are concerned that they have abandoned their conservative <laughs> religious roots. Yeah. What has happened is the student's been exposed to a lot of new ways of looking at the world around them. They may experience confusion since many of the concepts and ideas they're introduced to are in stark conflict with their upbringing. A young person may feel isolated or even like they're living a double life. And when they come home, they don't really feel comfortable to discuss these new concepts with their parents because they're aware that they're outside the bubble that they experienced at home. And as a parent who loves to talk to my kids and just Mm -hmm. see what their opinions are, I find that difficult that you can because we've always discussed everything openly whether we agree or disagree but I do know of people who they tell their kids what to believe and there's no deviation from that well and you see a lot of times you know Mm -hmm. on that I have friends that their parents would tell me well they were fine but they went off to college and after that first semester when they came home they were kind of sullen and they wouldn't talk to us and the truth was that they were really just processing and trying to figure out life outside of this bubble right the dilemma is just as difficult for the parents whose job is to protect their children in doing so we've often shielded our children from the very concepts that we pay to introduce them to at the college (laughs) level right yeah as the child expands and develops outside of the bubble that they grew up in it often results in a feeling of disconnect in the relationship from both sides The reality is that most of us are very comfortable in the bubbles that we live in, and we work pretty hard to keep that bubble from being expanded or penetrated. In other words, don't burst my bubble. That's it, yeah. We subconsciously develop these bubbles, which include our personal views on religion or politics or relationships or even the products we buy and use, uh, the sources we get our information, uh, the people we associate with, and the list goes on and on. It is especially difficult to expand our bubble in this age we live in, and we're going to explain just why we think that is when we return here in a moment with part two. Okay, welcome to part two of episode 89 of God Beyond the Bible. Today we're discussing life in the bubble. We ended segment one with the statement that we think it's becoming increasingly difficult to expand the bubble we live in, and that's due to interactive media and intuitive technology. Um, Let's kind of talk about what that is and why we think it makes expanding our bubble a little more difficult. Okay, so intuitive technology is really cool in one sense of the word because... It's helpful. Um, Have you ever Googled something like, say, what is a cantaloupe? And then if you start to Google something else, like what is a, and you put a W, it puts watermelon. Mm -hmm. That's because they're both melons. And Google says, well, they just searched this 
So they're probably looking for this too. Mm-hmm. And that's intuitive technology. Whatever you search more, they give you more along those and lines. It's, and it's not just in the searches. If you have Netflix or you have, uh, mm-hmm. if you have uh, YouTube and you watch that quite a bit, you might you'll, like. get, you'll get to a <laughs> section that says, because you watched uh-huh. yes. this, we recommend this, or this is recommended. And you're thinking, who's recommending this for me? Well, it's that intuitive technology mm-hmm. that's that's doing that. So yeah, and we have a lot. I mean, uh, I mean, we just we don't realize. I don't think how much is going on behind the scenes no. for this stuff to be intuitive of all True. the processing that's processing everything we're doing to make this really. And if you have some real curiosity on it, look up data mining algorithms. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there are billion dollar businesses out there, guys, that are making their money. Off of what you're typing in a search bar, what you're watching. Mm-hmm. And sure, sure. All of it is. So, so that does, is that, then our point is, this makes it harder for us to break out of this little bubble that we're in. Because yes. look, if we have a tendency, let's, I said we'd stop with the politics, thanks. But if we have a tendency to uh, listen to one news source, mm-hmm. that's a conservative, let's say a conservative mm-hmm. news source, that's the one we're going to get all the time. Yeah. Well, after a little bit, that's all we're going to get. In fact, if we put a thumbs up on a one side or the other uh, uh, a conservative you know a conservative platform or the you know let's just say a democrat or republican and we mm. put it something that favors one of them we're gonna start seeing those if you do that two or three times that's all you're gonna see in fact you're not even gonna see the opposition at all that's right and if you question on facebook whether this is true or not go to your settings go to your personal information and they will flat out show you Right there, whether they have you categorized as a conservative or a liberal. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know so, that. <laughs> as technology becomes more and more intuitive, do y'all think that we'll see the bubble effect become even more evident and dominant in our lives? Yeah, I think that's all. I think that's already happening. I think uh, uh, we don't even know it that it's closing in on us mm-hmm. and and keeping us in these little. And it's not because that's what they're designed. It's not some conspiracy to do that. This is. We're going to talk about this. No, this is really geared. This is really geared to sell you stuff. It's what this is really yeah, mostly this about. This was all developed yeah. from an ad, an advertiser's yeah. frame from a yeah, seller's from a point, point of, of view. view. Another thing that I just noticed, and we get into this a little bit more in the next questions, but I went to search a restaurant the other day. We were in Conway, and I was googling because we wanted someplace different to Mm -hmm. eat you get tired of eating the same places and google pops up and says you might like these three restaurants they're similar to the other ones you visited yeah Yeah. there you go well we may or may not be aware of the fact that every time we repost or like something on social media that information is collected and compiled and it affects what we see on platforms such as facebook and other media uh, now, do you think this serves to create a spiral effect where the circle gets tighter and tighter, where what we see becomes more and more limited and develops the bubble even more? I mean, I'm just wondering. It is. And I, and I think once you kind of start down that, as, as far as technology goes, it's harder to expand that circle or, it is. you know, to make it bigger where you can see opposing sides. Um, what role does direct marketing play in this whole scenario? The biggest role. Yeah. <laughs> How do those ads for products relevant to our age group and our socioeconomic condition find their way into our information stream? Because they know how old you are. Because I mean, most everybody they puts know, their birthday yeah, in. Yeah, they know that because your birthday comes up on social media. Oh, uh-huh. today's Tabitha's birthday and they know how old you are and, and they know a lot of things about you mm-hmm. just from even the age group, the generation you're in. 
And they're going to cross-reference that with, say, your Amazon account. Mm -hmm. Because you've been looking at this item that's for sale, this new Instapot on Amazon. Walmart has it $15 cheaper. Check it out in this advertisement. Well, and, I think and, and then sometimes, like I said, and sometimes that can be good stuff. It can work. It can be it, very It can work convenient. to our advantage. And that's why a lot of social media platforms now, they interact with other apps and other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it can just, it yeah. grows from there. So Number five. even <laughs> if we avoid setting up accounts where we enter limited information about ourselves, does this mean that we've escaped the bubble factor? No, it doesn't. Because there again, I don't have a YouTube account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's very intuitive to what I watch. Yeah. Well. And and and, and I'm getting to watch. I mean, there's the plus side of this. I'm watching. I love British sitcoms for whatever reason. And I've discovered a bunch I never knew existed. And it's because they pop up on my mm-hmm. feed. Now, the amazing thing is, if you want to find out, I've got a friend of mine that he'll ask me, he'll say, have you seen so-and-so? Have you watched so-and-so seen that deal? And almost everything that pops up on his feed, evidently, You're that we, go enough, we go enough places, you know, that we go, right, we visit yeah. enough and watch enough, especially for YouTube, that we see so almost, you see the same almost all the same videos <laughs> pop up that in our feed. So yeah. So, and we may not even use the internet, but we often still carry a cell phone, which tracks our activity and the locations that we frequent. And have you noticed how hard it is to turn off the GPS on your phone? Like not, not to turn it off, but to keep it off. It pops up constantly. Well, every time, every time you use some apps, it turns it back on. Yeah. So then it's on, then it's on, then it's on for all the apps. Yeah. How was your visit to, I'm just, I mean, I I find it kind of, you can just, you can slow down in front of a store and it'll. Mm You just turn yeah. around the parking lot. How was your visit? <laughs> Rate your visit to so-and-so. Okay. Well, even if we avoid, well, we said that. Uh, do we have an estimate on how many people today do not use cell phones or the internet? I mean, there are people. I know there are people. Do we have yeah. any kind of estimates? I saw research done by um, Pew Research, and it was in 2019, and it said then that only 10% of American adults do not use the internet then. But you but know, usually they'll have cell phones. There's probably less than that for cell phones. Yeah, don't you and figure? but you know that right now we're we're actually third as far in the in the world as far as users, internet users. I didn't realize this. But now, China, no, wait a minute. Third, third in the world. You mean there's two other countries? Yeah, we have 314 million internet users. This was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're actually only third. I did not realize this. It doesn't surprise me. Number one is China, of course. India. Is the second, but oh, that's yeah. not per capita. That's just of actual As people actual using it. Yeah, yeah, because because well, yeah. they could they it, could only there could area. only be a fourth of China use it and still be more than right. Than there's 854 million in oh, China so and that, then 560 million in India. Okay, uh, so uh, where do we get to? The okay, okay. How many of these people we're talking about? The people that may not use. Let's just imagine some people that don't use. Somebody may know some. I don't know if I know anybody that I can think of right I know off the top couple. of my head that has no cell phone. I can't. No internet or no cell phone. I can't think because even now, you know, usually cell phones have all moved to smartphones. It's hard yeah. to find the older. Yeah. I know a person who doesn't use the internet, and they do have a cell phone, but it is the old flip phone style phone. Huh. So. Well, but your your activity still tracked. 
Uh-huh. That, that cell phone still communicates with yeah. cell phone towers, and that information right. is still being kept. It doesn't matter whether you can see it or it can access it through your phone. So, so how many, uh, how may these people's bubble differ from those of us who frequently use this technology? I mean, in a way, if you think of it, though, it's probably there's their bubble is from a different. Uh, it's the people they hang out with, the places they go, mm-hmm. maybe the coffee shop, the things that they go to, the restaurants. But that's probably also more limited too. So don't you think probably they still the bubble effect still affects them? It does. I would think that the bubble in some ways is smaller because I know like one of the people that I know that is that way. They converse with maybe five or six people in a week's time at the most. Yeah. So it's a fairly small. Right. Okay, so without making this whole topic a conspiracy theory, because heaven knows we don't need any encouragement in that department these days. Um, But a few years ago, there was a push to make sure that everybody had a cell phone. And y'all remember this, I'm sure. sure. Mm -hmm. The government... I think it was under President Obama, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? And and mainly, it was. uh, I think the selling point behind that was to get a cell phone where people could get a job. Right. I mean, that was kind of the the thing behind that. But the government, they they even funded cell phones for those who couldn't afford them. We saw homeless folks with cell phones. (laughs) Now there's a push and a great deal of federal and local tax dollars being used especially with the onset of COVID Mm -hmm. that we've had to make sure that everybody Mm -hmm. has internet access. So how much of this is driven by the desire to gather intuitive information on these folks who would otherwise be, I guess, unbubbled as far as gathering their info is concerned? Well, I find it hard to believe that they are going to launch over 8,000 satellites into our sky for internet. for internet service worldwide mm-hmm. just to give internet service to people right. i mean let's just be but honest that is a massive amount of money to be going out sure it is uh-huh. gonna mess up the night sky too yes <laughs> so many questions have for the most part gone unanswered such as who's gathering this information where is it being collected where is it being stored who has access to this information And it's a pretty safe bet that most of this information that puts our lives in a bubble or category, it's being sold to those who want to target specific groups to sell their product and promote their message. Yeah, that's 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 basically what it is. It's not I don't think it's a bigger conspiracy than that. I do think a lot of it got used. uh, I think I find it amusing. I think the reason that the pundits were so off on this presidential poll Uh is they're using a lot of this information Mm -hmm. and a lot of this is just not true to the it may not be true they're finding out that they can't depend as much on this information as they think they can it's not as accurate because it's still it's still a infant technology as Mm -hmm. far as i go and i'm one of those people that i search everything that i think of if i don't know the answer yeah i have the world at my fingertips i want to know the answer right so Depending on my intuitive technology would be a dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Do any of us really consider all that's going on behind the scenes when we utilize and benefit from the access and use of this technology? I mean, do we really think about that when we Google something that, or when we research something, watch something? We don't. No. Put, that's not really something we think about, is and it's it? Not I mean, even that. I in, was, on a conscious level. I was reading that there's like some 250 apps maybe more just on google play alone that when you download the game just a game that it has like kind of like software i'm not very technological Mm -hmm. but it's 
it's embedded in there that it automatically it can turn on while you allow access to your microphone. Mm-hmm. Now some people dispute that, so who knows if it's true or not. But even games can collect well, information perhaps, as far as your demographic. Well, and we per- can throw in even with things like Facebook, they may not do it. But they do have the ability because we do give them the ability with the app that you can turn on my microphone. You can place a phone call. Well, perhaps the question should be, are we good with the trade-off? We're getting something. You know, we're calling it free. Oh, we get all this great free technology. It's Nothing's free. Somebody's going to pay for it. It's going to be. I'm not sure that we have an option anymore. I mean, because even like you said, you can go off the grid. But how many people can really, with their jobs, function that way anymore? I'm going to be honest because I did come from the technological age where it really boomed and uh-huh. I'm more or less okay with the trade-off because I do feel like I keep some things out of the radar mm-hmm. of the social media of, you know, the internet age. There's some things that I just don't do online. But the truth is that even if you're not using it, guys, your tax information, your social security number is all online. Yeah, there's information obtainable for you. Okay, so it it probably seems like we've completely strayed from our topic of life in the bubble. But all these elements play a role in this intuitive world in which we live. So give us just a second and we'll be right back with part three. And welcome, Seekers, to part three of episode 89 of God Beyond the Bible. And today we're discussing what seems to be the ever-increasing bubble effect. It is the driving force in our lives in today's world. Whether we like to admit it or not, most of us live pretty predictable lives when it comes to the intuitive information that's gathered and used to single us out for marketing and promotional interests. Mm-hmm. Uh We'd like to use this last segment to ask ourselves the question of whether or not this is a new concept among humankind, and just how do we deal with this life in the bubble? To answer the first question, our desire to understand a group of people and predict how they may react to certain circumstances is probably as old as humanity. Whether it was one tribe seeking to gain covert information to utilize in an attack on their enemy, a political figure trying to sense the mood and likely and the likely reaction of his constituents, or a religious mo- movement that seeks to mold their message to resonate with the largest number of people possible, this concept has been well used throughout recorded history. And if you question that, something I've realized reading through all of this is that's why we label mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. You're a Christian, this person's a Jew, this person is a Buddhist. Everything that we do to label people is that data mining, you know, even in our yeah, minds. We're, we're doing it, yeah. We're, I'm putting you in this specific block. That way I'm going to know what you like, what you don't like. There you Good go. point. So to address the second question, just how do we deal with life in the bubble? Well, we're going to give you a few, few, just a few suggestions. Well, first and foremost, we must be aware of and acknowledge its existence and the role it plays in our individual lives. Ignorance may be bliss, but knowledge is power. That's right. That's right. That's right. 
Well, secondly, after we acknowledge it, we must, you know, be aware of it, acknowledge it. And I'm sure everyone is, but that's what we're doing. A lot of times we just don't think about it. We just say, well, it's the trade-off that we live with. Mm-hmm. But but we, but we it is something that's important in our life. And the reason that it's the only reason that this is important and we're even talking about it is that we get in these little bubbles and we become so isolated from other people and disconnected from everyone that... Yes that we're only connected to this certain group of people. And before you know it, that's a dangerous way to live. That's okay. Secondly, we must not become victims of our own bubble. In other words, we must acknowledge that there are many ways of thinking about a topic or a subject other than the one we embrace in our own bubble. Yeah, Tabby, my way or the highway is not right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thirdly, we should seek opportunities to expand our bubble. If the only people we associate with or listen to are those who fit into our bubble, we're never challenged in our philosophy. Thus, the bu- the bubble becomes more polarized against any conflicting view or argument. And I found this in Christianity to be a really big hooking point because, no, you don't need to listen to that person who's not a Christian. You don't need to, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need to read writings yeah. and stuff from people who are non-Christian because those might mess up your beliefs. I heard stuff. that. I heard that when the movie, I haven't watched it still, Brad. You want me to watch it? But the, uh, uh, the shack. And Which when the shack came out, the Christian, just mm-hmm. the Christian talk radio or whatever, just attacked it from everyone, you know, just every corner because, and what they attacked is, and this is where we get this, and this is, we can see a lot of what's happening right now in our America. You know who they attacked? The author. Yeah. They attacked the author personally, what his personal beliefs are in his personal life. And so they attacked, like, they couldn't really attack the movie or the book they'd have to admit they'd read it or right. watched it so they attacked the author the character of the author he's not a he's not a christian he's not a you know practicing you know well and a you know a good exercise as far as learning to expand our bubble is to choose a topic that we're absolutely polarized about and seek to understand why others may think about it the way that they do Our natural reaction is to categorize the philosophies and concepts inside our own bubble as right and acceptable, and anything outside of it, we tend to demonize so that we feel safe in our bubble. Mm -hmm. We protect the bubble because our ego is attached to it, and our ego must be reassured that we have the only right approach to any subject or topic. And the thing of it is, the point about this whole bubble thing is that you just become frozen you become paralyzed to any uh, philosophical, uh, spiritual growth, any any kind of growth. There's no growth. When you just say, okay, this is I've obtained all of the information I need to obtain about everything. I've got it all figured out, yeah. and I know 100%. Yeah. It's like I asked a guy, and I saw this used about Christianity, but I asked this guy this about God. I said, uh, you know, he's, you know, he gave me all of his courses, all the time. Ta- answers everything of course that he had you know like we hear the right, apologetics right. everything mm-hmm. he i said okay i'm going to draw a circle here on the floor and i drew a circle that was imaginary circle that was about uh uh six feet across or something and i told him i said now if you're gonna i want you to be honest as you can i hear a studio cat wanting outside but uh, i said i'm gonna be as honest as uh, and you be as honest as you feel comfortable to be and i said you show me about how much of this big six-foot circle uh-huh. that you absolutely know about God. 
Just oh, put me, wow. just show me how much of that circle. And he said, well, it's probably maybe just a quarter or something, a dime or a quarter. I said, okay, that's cool. That's being honest. Yeah. I said, so you don't think God could be doing anything else in all of this other big six foot circle you know nothing about <laughs> that God could be universally saving people? Yeah, that's a good That Christ could be could have died for yeah, I said, because you're admittedly you have about a size of a quarter in this big six foot circle and you don't think there's a bunch of stuff in the rest of that that you admittedly that we admitted I'm not just using him, right. that we admittedly don't know about God that can just blow our little quarter size theology all to pieces. Well and it's funny because I do have that tendency even myself to particularly before I kind of started coming out of some of my chains Mm -hmm. in my faith that idea that well i don't know what god's doing but i know god's not doing that yeah there you go (laughs) who's got number five okay the bubble we live in is both insulating and isolating Mm -hmm. it insulates us because it's unwilling to allow any new or different ideas or concepts from penetrating and therefore we don't have to devote any energy or thought to any concept outside our bubble it isolates because out of fear, we don't dare explore outside the safety of the bubble. And both of these include interacting with people who do not share a bubble similar to our own. In both cases, we don't, you know, whether right. it's the insulation or the isolation, we don't have to listen to anybody or read anything that's outside our mm-hmm. uh, outside our bubble. This fear factor associated with the bubble is crucial. The religious community has utilized this for eons. The fear of questioning the status quo. The fear of entertaining any idea contrary to the dogma of our particular brand of religion. The fear of being different and thus feeling rejected or ostracized. And it does. Religion does use it. Yeah. Yes. And the same is true of the Bible. There's been this bubble created around this collection of works to elevate every word and phrase in it to the level of divine. This perhaps is the most sacred bubble of them all. It's well insulated and it isolates those in the bubble from looking for the divine elsewhere and those who choose to reside in this bubble will utilize any means necessary to protect their sacred bubble Mm -hmm. that's true now again we can look to the master for insight he acknowledged his awareness of this phenomenon when he said that his endeavor would sever the bubble bonds he actually said his work of breaking down the old system of religious control would pit brother against brother mother against daughter and so on uh it wasn't implying or neither did he say that's what he wanted it to do but he knew that would be the result those who were determined to remain in the old covenant bubble of jewish law would sever family ties before allowing that bubble to be penetrated he also knew the tendency of human nature at the same time Jesus had to prevent this new approach from becoming an insulating and oscillating bubble that the Jewish religion had become. He demonstrated his position when he associated with, taught, and healed everyone who came to him without regard to their race, gender, or religion. When the disciples caught a group of people teaching and healing in Jesus' name that was outside their bubble, they scolded them and told them to stop. When they told the master what they had done, expecting to be praised, they were instead scolded and told to never do that. He said, those who are for us cannot be against us. And that always was one of the And that was stories. confusing to them. They were Jewish people. Right. Yeah. I mean, they had always had this insulating, isolating bubble mm-hmm. that they were in. And now here's this man telling them, no, that's okay. They're out there and they're out there doing stuff in my name. Yeah. 
That's cool. You let them do it. Don't you tell. And that had to be a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> it's hard for it. We can't do it today. No. And one last thing. It is of our opinion that the bubble will expand and burst when our ego is brought into check. After all, it is not principle or moral that we're protecting. It's our, it's ego. our ego. Yes, yes, it is. When we come to the place that we don't automatically categorize something or someone as good or bad or right or wrong, then we may be able to understand why they think, act, or believe the way they do. We may never fully escape the bubble, but we can at least be aware of it and endeavor to expand it to include those who may not share our particular creed or philosophy. If we aren't willing to attempt to expand, then we're destined to remain prisoners of our own bubble. And until next time, as always, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be in, on, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.